Hi everyone, before we get started, I want to say that we didn't give enough of a content warning because we didn't know what all we were going to talk about. So I want to give a warning that we will be not only talking about sexual abuse, um, there will be a little bit of discussion about suicide, as well as um, Not Connected Ellie talks about uh, needles in the, for in the context of electrolysis. So if any of those topics, if you're uncomfortable with any of those topics, just wanted to give you that warning um, and listen at your discretion. Thank you. Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. And Ellie. And we are the Queer Arabs. I'm Saudi American and queer. I am Lebanese, pan, trans, and rocking it out in here in Houston. And Alia is rocking it in D.C. It's Tuesday evening in D.C. It's 6.30, 5.30 where Ellie is. I am going to just give a breakdown of how we're going to structure this episode. It's going to be in kind of two parts, but the two parts do connect. You'll see what I mean. So I just want to say that as busy as our January has been, it's been a little challenging keeping up with a weekly podcast. It takes some planning and like it usually takes some planning and neither of us have had the capacity to plan as much as we would like. Um, so at about 4 p.m. today after a super intense workday, I realized we were recording two hours from then and we had not discussed what our topic would be. So that's just how it goes sometimes. Then as I got on the train to come home, something that came to mind as far as what I can talk about today is an update pertaining to mental health, which we haven't talked about for a long time. And then Ellie, when I, so when I got home, um, shortly after that, Ellie called me and was like, hey, I have an idea. And she brought up a topic she would like to talk about, which is being like how it has been lately being Arab in America under the Trump administration. I think both that, you know, that and mental health kind of do relate, but we will kind of, we'll also be discussing them into sections. You'll see why. Anyway, Ellie, do you want to start off, start this off? Actually, okay, actually trigger warning. I want to I'm going to say this now and then before my segment that I want to do, um, trigger warning, there will be some talk of sexual abuse. So if you're not comfortable with that, when I start talking about uh, mental health stuff, feel free to stop the podcast at that point. So today's magic word is stress. So a while back, um, while I was doing the run-up to surgery and, electro and doing the electrolysis, uh, I had this one lady who was doing some work on me, and she would, and you know how it is when you're working with professional like professionals who are helping with your body, like hairdressers, electrolysists, beauticians, all those awesome professional people who make us a little more awesome. She started talking about the situation in the Middle East, and this wasn't a what I would call a nuanced discussion. This was more like just me letting her talk and just kind of me commenting. And it just got weirder and weirder because she was like, yeah, it's all crazy. Like there, those people are so fucked up. And well, and it was like, <laughs> I was just kind of like giving her the, <laughs> trying not to give her side eye, but I'm also giving her the hardest like side eye possible. I'm, I'm basically just like trying to judge and cat, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, you know, it's just like, both funny and not. 
you know, and of course it's me there, but I'm also trying, but I also need this woman because she's like working at a place that does one of the few places that does like the electrolysis I needed with the anesthetic that would make it go from, from, you know, unbearably painful to, oh, hey, I can actually take a nap while doing this. So. Yeah. And she had, it's a needle that they use, right? Yeah. So. So you have this person with a needle. They're basically sticking a needle basically (laughs) into my crotch repeatedly, applying electrical current. And before that, they basically jammed this huge um, lidocaine needle into my crotch 15 times to numb numb all the nerves. So, and I'm going to have to hang out with, and she's starting off with this politics talk. And I'm just like, I have to spend three more hours with this woman. And I need her for this. There is no other place in reasonable distance that will do this work. So I'm just kind of like, I'm like, you know what? What did you say? I was like, I, I... I was trying to steer away. It's like, you know, my family is from Lebanon and they're super cool. And I told some story about my grandfather and how he used to just go all over the Middle East. And so my grandfather on my mom's side is almost like from the stories I've heard from my family, it's almost like a caricature of this, you know, hard drinking, hard smoking, hard gambling, womanizing person mm-hmm. who is just you know this just just badass but also kind of shitty so in the stories it was always kind of amusing and interesting but for my poor grandmother of course it wasn't but like i said when you're telling stories it's interesting to hear about so i was telling her about that and just like how he was going to turkey and jordan and all this stuff just just after world war ii and everyone was like rebuilding and but nation building was actually going on kind of like i kind of got it away from her but also like eh, was that actually the best topic to lead with because like i'm for all my grief with my family i'm actually super proud of them and i love them i think they a lot of my family has lived amazing lives and so i am proud of them despite my beefs with them that's kind of how i feel like whenever i'm in like a public space or at work, I'm always like weary of like bringing up the the A word because it's like because it immediately is politics and mm-hmm. with white people especially it's like I don't want to get into politics because it's it's there's like so many there's like a huge minefield out there because it's like are they Republican then of course like the conversation is going to go badly especially if I'm not yeah. like feeling like self censoring. It's like, what if the wrong person in the office overhears? You know, is it going to affect my career like that? Especially when stuff comes up in the news and the office sort of starts talking about it. It's like, oh, hey, the Iranian ban. And some people like are casually talking in the background how it's a good thing. And I'm like trying not to go over there and like lay some knowledge into them because this is, I need this money. I need this health insurance because in America, if you don't have a good job, you don't get health insurance. And that actually ties that. into what I'm going to be talking about later. Thank you for that. The health insurance thing. Uh, <laughs> all of the events comes back into family discussions. So it's just like, oh, hey, now my aunts and uncles are talking about how it's affecting their travel. And sometimes it's like, I don't want to be apolitical, but I also don't want to, to dominate my life. But I can't. I have to keep up because much as I want to just sort of keep my head down and not deal with it, you know, I gotta, I travel. I have to interact with my local and federal government from time to time. It, this, this shit matters. Mm-hmm. And it also determines sort of the atmosphere around you. It's like, am I going to have to worry about the police being especially like trigger happy because they're feeling all riled up? Am I going to have to worry if, about walking around in daylight about some randos, you know, Arab spotting or whatever. Yeah. Am I ha- going to have, it's just, and it's a constant 
like background noise in my life, but sometimes it becomes really loud and deafening. And I, it kind of came back into focus after surgery because the run up to surgery, it was like surgery, 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 surgery. And it's like super laser focused on getting this done. And afterwards it's like, okay, gotta, gotta take it easy. My brain is still kind of mushy from recovery. I'm just gonna take it. I'm not gonna stress myself out by reading politics. Oh shit, I'm reading politics and I have to read politics. And I can't avoid it because it just feeds like everyone I know. My friends are all pretty politically active. Everyone I know keeps up with it. Everyone I know has to do it either for their politics, their job, their activism. And the one activist I know who isn't like talking constantly about Middle Eastern politics is basically an advocate for sex workers. Of, And they are an amazing person. I'm always happy to read their stuff, even though I'm sure it's super stressful to them and really intense for them. But I'm like, it's not direct. It's something that does not directly affect me. And I'm like, this is what it must be like to be white. <laughs> right. So, it doesn't affect yeah. me. Yeah. And I'm actually feeling like I am now kind of feeling like the need to go back to my therapist. I have an appointment scheduled on the 23rd. And I thought it was just kind of be like a routine check in and be like, hey, yeah, everything went great. But it's like, no, I'm going to talk about and the politics are back and it's an election year. And I have to constantly hear basically everyone but Bernie fucking Sanders go on about how the Middle East is a scary and dangerous place and we have to intervene there even if they're like so quote anti-war. Do you think you're is your therapist yeah. someone who really understand that like that perspective uh, of you you know uh, you she being is a Arab Turkish, American? Oh. She is a Turkish immigrant so yeah. Awesome. That's good. It's good I, you have. Yeah. Her. Our, yeah. So she's she's awesome and Hey, if you're listening, doctor. Do you, does she know about the podcast? Yeah, I've mentioned I do a podcast and I did give her the website. So she might actually be listening. I don't know. And if she is listening today, today's episode, she'll, she might even mention it like in our sessions. Like, hey, thanks for the shout out. <laughs> Hi, Ellie's therapist. <laughs> Very side <laughs> That's cool. So. Um, do you have like a new, I guess when you go through TSA, for example, do you have a new focus? Because I know before it was like, okay, you have an Arab, Arab sounding name plus, um, you know, the issue, like the trans issue and like going through the body scanner. And I know it seemed to be mostly stressful because of that aspect versus the Arab aspect. So do you feel like you're going to think more about the aspect of your name now and worry about that? regarding TSA or? For those who don't know about the American body scanners, the, the Transportation Safety Administration has these body scanners, which we all have to go through at the airports. The person running it has to basically takes a quick glance at you, sees male or female, they hit the button, and it's calibrated to that sort of body type. So if you, for example, I'm generally tagged as female, so I go in, I'm scanned, there's usually an, quote, abnormality on my, cr- in my groin area and I get patted down almost every time I go through those things. It's actually kind of interesting. I always get like clocked as female by the TSA and you can kind of tell what they set it to just because like to the left side when you walk through it there's usually this little screen and it has like a body shape and it has like like a little yellow splotch at like where the quote abnormalities were. So it's like if the splotch is on my chest then they clocked me as male. But female, it's almost always female so I'm kind of like yay but I'm getting searched. So I'm less worried about the body scanners but I'm also, I don't know, I still, I don't think the last trip really counted just because I was so like over the moon about having been done with surgery. Yeah. But 
I think the focus is going to be more on the like Arab side again. It's going to be real on the Arab side of things because it's the last name. And the government, you know, my government gender is male. So even though my documentation says otherwise, and it's just like, I don't think I'll get away from that. So I don't think there's anything I can do to get away from that other than like not fly or leave the country. Now that surgery is done, that's sort of like a big life goal accomplished. And I'm kind of deciding what do I want to do from here? Do I want to leave the state and get away from my family, which, you know, for all my complaints, again, I love love them especially my mom because eventually i will have to come back i have to my parents are on the older end of things i may have to care for them and you know and i don't want to like miss them regret not having spent time with them you know yeah so but i also don't want them to feel like they're constantly under siege either you know i mean have my, you talked to them had, about like, that uh, my mom is you know how my mom is well, she doesn't like, want Let's you keep to it positive. she doesn't want you to leave yeah I know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my dad's... My dad. My dad. Does he... Has he expressed if he wants... Like, if he would be upset if you left Texas? I don't know, honestly. That's actually... I need to ask him that. Because I've heard from your mom, obviously. She really wants you to stay, but... I was curious if you had had that convo with your dad at any point. uh, Well, you know how it is between me and my dad. Yeah, you two Um, are less communicative. Yeah, so... Not on your not on you i'm not saying it's on you i could be better about it i admit that so could he i'm (laughs) i am not the best at communicators to be honest i will not say a word about that right now no comment that's again that's very kind of you thank you (laughs) but yeah so i'm really looking forward to going to my therapist and just sort of gushing out about it i mean this is kind of therapy this is therapeutic talking about it feels good despite the fact that i have to think about it and it's upsetting but it's also like i also feel like by giving voice to it i can let it go a little the stress anyway yeah that's i think that's why i want to talk about what i am going to bring up today it's the i'm finally ready to give voice to it plus um it feels imp okay it's i know this podcast format is quite intimate and personal but it's also impersonal enough where i'm like okay a person could turn it off whenever they want and like i don't know who else listening i don't think this is going to come up in conversation between me or anyone listening so it just feels a little safe to me like it feels like a safe format so um should i go ahead with my thing proceed okay so we had an episode or two about two years ago when we started this podcast so we started this podcast almost two years ago and around the beginning we talked about mental health ellie talked about her history with therapists and how that's helped her um i talked about how i couldn't bring myself to go to therapy how it wasn't something i felt that was right for me at the time and also i have critiqued not necessarily on this podcast um the sentiment that there is only one correct way to get therapy which is you know when people talk about getting therapy they're talking about going to speak with a person you don't know in usually their office um and i still do hold on to the belief that there are many valid forms of therapy but i would like to discuss my recent experience with the model of speaking with a therapist that I was so hesitant to do before. A few months ago, I decided, hey, why don't I go talk to to a therapist? You know, how can that hurt? And um, I got a referral through a friend. It was very helpful. And I was nervous. I thought, okay, like before the first 
session, I was really nervous thinking like, is this still just not the right format for me when it comes to therapy? Like I used to volunteer at a shelter in Houston and spent two hours at a time uh, petting cats and kittens. And at the time I was like, this is therapy for me. This is this is what I need. That was like my form of therapy. And I still I still will say that it was therapeutic. But anyways, so I have started talking to a therapist in an office. And first, I also want to say, tying back to what Ellie brought up before about insurance. So health insurance is a privilege in the US to have health insurance because without it, you lose access to many resources. Um, there are some countries where that isn't as big of an issue. So I want to mention that. So without insurance, I would not be able to afford therapy. Without insurance in say Texas, you lose access to a lot of preventative care. We're talking like routine checkups become prohibitive, getting follow-ups for anything becomes prohibitive, you know, medications for anything that's new-ish is prohibitive. It's just like hundreds of dollars for like a month's worth of medication. And that's just for like, that's if you require anything that's still patented. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes here. So when I say, when we say it gets expensive, we're talking like hundreds or thousands of dollars. Yeah. And, and for routine shit. For routine stuff, including seeking preventative treatment regarding your mental health. So like going to see a therapist, that's out of reach for a lot of people. Um, it's a problem that I want to acknowledge. Not everyone has access to the resource. It's extremely important to voice that when talking about this, in my opinion. So I want to do that before moving on here. It wasn't, I also want to say it wasn't that long ago that I was barely making any money, had no one, I had no health insurance for a little while, um, and did not even have this same option of seeking a regular therapist that I do now. And I want to mention that I'm very grateful for that. So I don't necessarily want to get into what all drove me to seek therapy toward the end of last year. Part of it had to do with work, which the environment is not the same um, as it was pre-Trump era. That is one major reason that I did need to seek therapy. Um, the way that work was affecting me psychologically. In therapy, I've also been confronting some other stuff that I never thought I would get to this early on. Um, trigger warning again, I'm going to talk about something that's very difficult for some people to hear about. It has to do with sexual abuse. Please turn off that the episode if you would like to, if, if you See need you to. See you next week. See you next week, y'all. Something that I have started talking about in therapy is something that I never talked about with anyone fully. And I'm still not going to go into detail or whatever, but I talked to my mom about it when I was a young teenager in very general terms, and I think that's how I'm going to do it here. So when I was between the age of 8 and 11, my mom was married to my stepfather, and during that time, he sexually abused me. I did not know what it, what was happening at the time, because why would I? He, he was very emotionally abusive as well, like emotionally and verbally abusive. In retrospect, you know, I... I, I know, I know, I've always known in the back of my mind that those years have affected me in, in long-term ways. It's hard, it's hard to like 
It's hard to admit because it still feels like, this is one reason it's hard for me to talk about. Like it feels like a cop out, even though I know it's not. Cause I'm like, okay, that was forever ago. That's when I was a child. Like I can't constantly be going back to that and be like, oh, this is, this is why I do what I do and, or like behave the way I behave or have a lack of trust or whatever. But like, but at the same time, I think it is healthy to give words to, or I guess, acknowledge certain correlations, certain cause and effect, I guess, cause and effect results of that. Ugh, it's even, it's, see, I, I'm so not articulate about it because I'm not used to talking about this. Um, so that's something that I've been able to discuss with the therapist and learn how to put into words. And I have learned to I've learned to acknowledge that my, okay, that my issues with trust definitely has to do with that. My issues with mistrust in men for much of my life has to do with that. I also, I I also realize like another reason I've been so unable to talk about this is because how, because of how conservative my family is like both sides of my family like my mom's side has always been quite conservative and like relatively religious and uh, mid like midwestern mid religious they don't really talk about things and then my dad's side like you don't really talk about or sorry you don't really talk about anything having to do with sexual abuse like there's just not that in we you don't really have i don't I don't know. Oh my god. This is really hard for me to put into words. There's just not a very safe or conducive environment within the family. Like, among the family to talk about any of this. And that's generally where you need to start when you're a kid. Like, you you need to be able to tell an adult in your family what's going on. So I didn't have... I didn't really feel like I had that option. Um, when I told my mom... It took her a little bit, I, it took a, a little bit for her to understand that I wasn't just acting out or wasn't just seeking attention, I think, because um, I was also angry at the time that he had left. I was angry at, like, the ways that his and my mom's relationship had affected my her, my mother's parenting and my mother and just, like, how it had affected my relationship with my mom. So I was having a lot of, I was having some behavioral issues in my early teen years. So I think it took her a little bit of time to realize like just how serious I was and how serious problem and a pattern this had been while he lived with us. I don't really have a reason to point to right now as to why I want to talk about this on the podcast at this particular time, but I do and I guess it just ties back to like the beginning of this podcast and how I didn't see what the benefits of therapy would be I I was afraid that actually this particular door would open if I went to a therapist that was another reason I was so hesitant but I've noticed that I don't know it feels like a a very important turning point and I just kind of want to share that with people um and I want to share that like It's nice to see that it's never too late to have a turning point like this. So in my family, if I 
I don't think there's anyone in my family I could have brought this to. My mom, of course, she's an absolute saint now, but when I was, like, a kid, like, I didn't, like, if this happened to me, I wouldn't have anyone to talk to. I wouldn't be able to give voice to it to anyone. I was already, like, acting out in school, and I was always getting in fights or getting beat up, and, you know, who would believe me is what I would feel like. And yeah. this also happened when I tried to come out. It was a, just a very hostile re- reaction that how... And while I did go to therapy, there was always this like underlying current of like, don't talk about therapy with the family. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about any of the stuff you discuss there with the family. It's yeah. embarrassing. And like in my family, like especially sex stuff, like we will joke about sex, but we will never have a serious conversation about sex or anything like that. So it's, I know, like, with conservative families, it can be really, really hard to have any sort of conversation. And conservative yeah. families are often very not cool with therapy, to, to put it lightly. So getting there is tough. Like, I've, like, discussions have come up where it's like, you know, why would you spend money on a therapist? It's a waste of money. Just talk to someone else. And that's not always the best option. You may not have that sort of support. Or worse, um, you may not want to burden your friends with it because you want to, your friends to see the best you. And yeah, even though like we're always like, like you can bring anything to me. It's also like, but would you want me to? Like really? Yeah, and, and yeah, and I respect of- that people need boundaries. Like I, I I'm not gonna bring this topic up when I'm hanging out. Like during every hangout like that's just I don't think that's healthy I don't think it's a healthy friendship it's not fair to do to someone um and I think you know that's that's another reason like if it's doable to see a therapist I I I see how valuable it is because like I had no other outlet no other I guess appropriate setting in which I felt I could bring this up yeah like it's it's one of it's one of the big things that's it's such an emotional bomb because for your mom this is someone that she used to love and trust like completely that she wanted Mm -hmm. to have a life with and yeah and bringing that sort of stuff to up to her kind of puts her in the really in the really shitty position of does she believe you and not her partner or yeah and this this wasn't the reason he left he left for other reasons i told her this Mm -hmm. after he left so it it didn't have to do with the end of their relationship but i still think it was hard for her because like you said you know setting aside the reasons that they separated she did trust uh, she did trust him in other ways and by me bringing that up because I felt like I just I just I don't know I just felt like I had to because I think I wanted to explain why I hated him so much and like why I was re- so resentful of their relationship um, because she just didn't understand and she didn't I, I didn't like I shouldn't expect her to without knowing um, so that's why I brought it up when I did, and I think it was definitely, it was just hard for her to wrap her mind around, like, I lived with this person, a person capable of doing this. So I I do feel for 
I think I was, you know what? I think I was the age, the age I am now was the age she was when he first moved in, I think. It was around that time. So like being this age now, I I guess like sympathize a little more with my mom and think like what she must have gone through hearing something like this seemingly out of the blue. And so I kind of dropped the topic. I, I dropped the topic with her and I've dropped it in general and just not faced it. But I also am like, no, some of the ways that I go through life, the ways that I guard myself really hurts people. And I don't, I don't want to continue to do that. Like, I don't want to hurt people. And one of the ways I can be a better human, I think, is finally looking at this, talking about this with a therapist and finding ways to move past, to fully move past it and to open up more to people. I think that's, I think that's really important. It's that that'll be, that'll make my life better. It'll make people around me have a better connections with me. Yeah, I just kind of, I, I'm realizing just like how vital it is that I break this pattern of mine of being scared of people and like being not as trustworthy as I I really want to be um or trust sorry not trustworthy trusting is what I meant you know what I'm saying oh my god yeah because if you don't discuss it and if it just stays in your head you start feel feel like you're crazy like did this really happen did this is this something I can ever get past and it just eats at you you know yeah, um, I mean, I've never questioned if it happened, but I've okay. I've definitely questioned like, what's the point of dwelling on this time of my life, or like, why why would I burden anyone with this information? But yeah, like you said, it's it's a it's now a matter of like getting past it, and I'm realizing like, no, I can't get past something if I don't acknowledge it fully, like that just yeah, is I, not going to happen. I ran into a similar issue when I was dealing with my depression, like for the longest, basically until my, I've been like dealing with depression stuff since I was like 13 in and out of therapy. But the one thing I never like directly acknowledged with any of my therapists until I was like 30 was basically how often I thought about suicide. Mm. Yeah. Cause yeah. I felt like, there were a lot of reasons, but it's also like, do I want to acknowledge this? Do I want to make it a little more real by giving by it space it. and more space in my head? Yeah. Yeah. There's also the side issue of, you know, it affecting the whole transition stuff. But at 30, I figured, you know what, this is as far as I can get. So the worst they can do is, is put me in a 72 hour hold. Mm -hmm. So, but once I started acknowledging and dealing with it, it's like, I could actually start properly addressing it as opposed to thinking like, hey, it'll pass. I just have to wait it out. Yeah. Or like, oh, I'm just really being so I'm just being dramatic. Like, or it's just yeah. a mood. I'll just. Yeah. No, I, I got mean, it. Just, I get it. It's, just, it's like, oh, this is just my suicidal weekend. I'll be over it, you know, in a couple months. Don't worry about it. Which doesn't, which isn't reassuring at all. Not reassuring. <laughs> Okay, so when I was 11, I had what I later found out is called trichotillomania. So I was pulling out my hair. It was 
related to my stress at the time, which was related to what had recently happened to me. So it was a domino effect. After that, when I when I went through this period of pulling out my hair, my mom was like noticing I had bald patches on my head and she was really concerned um, and asking me about it. And I didn't know what it was connected to. I just thought it was a normal thing. I was like, no, it just feels good, blah, blah, blah. And around that same time, I thought I started fantasizing about dying and I was fantasizing about killing myself and like ways that I could do it that wouldn't hurt, thinking, not thinking that there was anything wrong with that. And that's also something I did not confront until <laughs> until way later. Um, and, you know, I've gone through other periods of time where I've thought about suicide. And I think many people have had these thoughts. I it, It's hard to know when it becomes serious enough where you need to seek help. Okay, is it just a one-off? Like, do I just think about it every so often? And it's just kind of a, like, something I can brush aside after a few minutes of like, hmm, I wonder what this would feel like versus is this something that just keeps coming back to my head over and over and why? Like, why do I keep going there in my mind? Or worse, um, or worse, you're like, oh, well, everyone thinks about killing themselves constantly. That's just how humans are. Yeah, like, oh, and, and then, you know, there are shows and uh, there are TV shows, things like that, that kind of glamorize it, uh, that kind of glamorize this fantasy of suicide that I think... Um, might mess with I mean, people. I mean, there's, of course, the classic romantic suicide, Romeo and Juliet. There's, of course, for guys, there's the honorable suicide mm -hmm. and yeah. warrior suicide. And it's just, and of course, there's uh, the classical uh, gothic romantic suicide. I can't be with you, thus I will die. But for so, me, like... Uh-huh, go ahead. For me, like, thinking about suicide was always, like, a method of control. It's like, well, if it doesn't stop or if it doesn't or if stuff gets worse, or if I can't, you know, do this, achieve, you know, transition, graduate mm -hmm. college, you know, acceptance or whatever, you know what, I'll just kill myself. That's all. That's, you know, I've got a plan. It's good. Mm -hmm. You know, don't have to worry about it. Plan B is there. Right. Like you and I said, like, when, when is it too much? Like when, when does it cross that line where you need to talk to someone? It's always the question. Um, I think it was like five or six years ago. I did. I called the National uh, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Um, it helped. It did help to talk to a stranger on the phone and just be like, "Hey, what's going on with me? How do I stop myself from going through with something that I can't reverse?" And just it really did help to talk to her. And uh, they're available twenty four hours a day. 1-800-273-8255. I am glad there are those resources out there if, you know, for even if like you can't get a therapist at that moment or you don't have access to one, you don't feel comfortable seeking a regular therapist, whatever the reason is, I'm glad there are these other options for more in the moment experiences. And I think, you know, seeing like two of my friends between that time and now, two of my friends go through with suicide has opened my my eyes even more to like, no, uh, this is not something to ignore. Like if this is a lingering thought, it's not, you know, it's, it's okay 
you know, it's okay to, and it's necessary to recognize the seriousness of that rather than just keep telling yourself, no, then keep telling yourself like, you know, it'll pass. I'm just having a hard day. Yeah. I haven't had any friends kill themselves, but I've seen like a lot of friends self-medicate and turn to drugs or like extremely bad distractions like and to be honest i think some of my bad habits are a result of just trying to avoid thinking about myself Mm -hmm. or seeking comfort and validation outside of myself so i wouldn't have to think about how horrible i always feel yeah this is such a this is such an upper episode just full of cheer and rainbows and unicorns i'm not and i i'm like i'm not good at talking about any of this but i'm talking about it in the only way i know how to talk about it that's that's fair like really hard i'm actually really proud of you and happy to hear you're going to therapy i appreciate that i remember you encouraging me a couple years ago and you've been regularly you have regularly encouraged me whenever the topic came up like of therapy Mm-hmm. And I finally, finally did something about it. Again, um, super proud of you. Thank you. Of a really cool effect of this that I have seen, like a tangible effect that I have seen is at an aerial silks class. I did a move that it it requires you to open up your body, kind of like pull your chest through your elbows, through your arms, make make a shape that I guess I just wasn't comfortable making. Because I always feel like I keep myself withdrawn uh, physically, like the way that I hold myself. Anyway, so a couple weeks ago, I finally did this move where I was able to like open my body and my chest in a way that I wasn't able to do before. And it clicked with me that it was completely mental up until that point and now I have no problem doing it so it's really cool it's really cool and I I told my therapist about that and we agreed like it's it wouldn't be surprising if there was a correlation between like me opening up mentally about this topic and being able to open up more physically in that class setting um so that was pretty cool i wouldn't doubt it like when i'm able to talk and trust people with stuff like i get i i carry a lot of tension like i'm always kind of tense and being able to talk openly about stuff or whenever i'm able to talk with you about what's bothering me or one of my friends and it it helps me like sort of unclench my shoulders stop and Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. relax my jaw and not always be kind of like and have Ellie. this weird look on my face all the time. <laughs> Ellie just grimaced, but <laughs> on video. Um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Need to, I need to post a face. I just need to post a face cam of this later on. I guess just me making weird faces talking. <laughs> I think this was a very important episode for the two of us, at least. <laughs> you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, some people listening will uh, will. I don't know, maybe, I hope for some people listening, I hope any of what we said will help in some way and, like, remind you that you're 
definitely never alone. But I can just speak for myself that this was really, this was important for me. The catharsis is real. And I just want to shout out to any of uh, my trans peeps or any of my depressed peeps. If you just want to talk, you can always hit me up on Twitter at Ellie wants to shit post. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what am I going to do? Like judge you? Like me of all people, you guys know my, <laughs> you guys know my deepest shit already. What have I got on you? You know? Right. Let's even the score after this <laughs> shit. Um, no, I, I hear you. Just so you all know, I am, I have the, in the queer Arabs Insta and Twitter on my, like attached to my phone. Not, it's not on Ellie's. So if you ever write to that, like it'll first come to me. So write to Ellie wants to ship post if you want to directly talk to Ellie. Um, if you write to our Facebook at the queer Arabs, like Ellie or I will be checking it regularly so either one of us will see it also you can email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com you can what else what else am i supposed to say oh the website thequeerarabs.com you can see our other episodes on there and please rate and review our podcast on apple Podcasts so that people can find us more easily it's very nice to have to have that podcast accessible to more people I think that's important. Uh, don't forget about the queer Arabs in Arabic. Uh, Ahmed does the queer Arabs in Arabic side. So you can hear his episodes that he's done in the past in Arabic, which is really wonderful that we've his, had that. And listen to his wonderfully stupid, sexy, and smooth voice. Oh my god. Ahmed's radio voice or podcast voice is just ridiculously perfect. How is this man I, not, like, professionally broadcasting? I know. I hate listening to myself listening back to myself Ahmed, why do you torture uh, yourself by doing all the editing i know that's the worst part about editing is hearing myself anyway uh thank you all very much for listening um if you made it this far in the episode thank anyway, you and i'm sorry <laughs> whatever i'm gonna end here bye bye <laughs> Thank you.